Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. Welcome to the Psych Legal Pop podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm the attorney. And I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. So today we are going to talk about the ABC long running franchise, The Bachelor. And Bachelorette. Bachelorette. Um, Now, this came up because I saw that The Bachelor was coming back in January. Oh, it is? A new season. Oh, I know that. January, end of January. And it's The Bachelor. And, uh, you know, The the Bachelor's gone through um, some stuff in the last uh, couple of years. It's been in the news. I mean, (laughs) it's been on for 20 years. And and we're going to talk later just about the franchise in general. And... But but before that, what what also got me interested in this was that uh, Chris Harrison mm-hmm. used to be the host of The Bachelor and basically the face of the franchise. Um, he has a new podcast out, <laughs> of course, <laughs> and it's called the most dramatic podcast ever. Yeah, right. It's a play on the where he would always say in the most dramatic Bachelor finale ever. You know, yeah, most dramatic rose ceremony ever. So he's put out two episodes. I guess ultimately he said the podcast is going to be about relationships. Yeah. And that is insane. The first podcast was just him talking. And then the second podcast was him with Lauren Zima, who is his fiance. Right. Um, And I don't know. I guess they wanted to talk together. And I was actually I listened to the first two episodes and I'm like, I'm not going to erase the podcast yet. I'm not going to, you know, um, I'll download because I really want to hear what three and four is of are they going to go right into relationships right. or what what are they going to be talking about? Well, yeah, because the first two episodes are him explaining how difficult this yes, strange it has been and, and very difficult and for him. Just to catch it, <laughs> if people don't know what we're talking about, this difficult experience, uh, basically Chris Harrison was let go as the host of The Bachelor because 
in 2021, The Bachelor had its very first black bachelor. Um, they had had a black bachelorette, two black bachelorettes actually prior to that. But it was the first black bachelor, Matt James, in you know the 20, almost 20 year history of the show. And basically Matt James um, picked a, a white woman to, they didn't get engaged, but you know, he picked her. Yeah, she was one of the front runners. She, she yeah, was, yeah he, in the end he picked this woman, Rachel Kirkconnell. And um, while the show was airing in 2021, as soon as it started to air, pictures and Facebook posts and Instagram posts started coming out um, showing Rachel uh, posing with friends in front of a Confederate flag at an mm -hmm. Old South. I think these were all sorority parties, some kind of Old South party, and then um, posing at an, what they call the antebellum party, which mm -hmm. is a sorority fraternity party where everyone would dress up in old antebellum clothes and go to a plantation. Mm -hmm. She's from Georgia. Yeah. So I guess this is a big thing in some schools. And, it's, and essentially South. what they're doing is they're celebrating the Old South. Right. Right. Which includes slavery. Yes. That was an integral part of the Old South. And it's very offensive. And you should never celebrate something that is racist. And so, you know, of course, people were very divided. And it, the interesting part was this is actually happening as the show is airing. Mm -hmm. So you're watching them falling in love and... You're like, oh boy, like, mm -hmm. is he going to pick this girl? It kind of seems like it. And um, so when the show had, uh, you know, there's a period of time after the show finishes, um, you know, where there's a lag time before it airs. Mm -hmm. um, and then they have this after the final rose thing. So anyway, it had come out, Matt James and her show up at this after the final rose taping. And he's very, very, very upset and he basically tells her, um, you know, I I guess he had already sort of broken up with her and mm -hmm. basically said she had a lot of work to do. And, and she said that she was very confused <laughs> by everything. She said at first she was very confused, but then it hit her that what she had done really, really hurt him. Mm -hmm. And... At least she had that revelation mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people never get that revelation. Yeah. You know, a lot of people really don't understand how much these things hurt people of color mm -hmm. very much. And they think, oh, it's just a, you know, a harmless sorority party or whatever. They mm -hmm. So anyway. 50 million people go to these. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah. But well, in 2018, according to Chris Harris, which is a a lifetime ago 28 right. was a lifetime, a lifetime ago different time different times totally different times versus today and 50 million people go to these parties so because so this I, is what chris harrison's <laughs> let, let's, yes. be, let's just be clear harrison her mocking this this was part of was what chris harrison said so what happened was after the scandal broke rachel Lindsay, who was the first black bachelorette in i think 2017 or 2018 somewhere in there um, she's now an entertainment reporter, among other things. Mm -hmm. And she was a working for Entertainment Tonight. No, it was Extra. Oh, Extra. And she did an interview with Chris Harrison about this topic. And what do you think about yeah. it? Can we go back for a second? Because 
So you you've watched the show much more than I have. I've watched like one season of The Bachelor and one season of The Bachelorette many, many years ago. I just could never get into it because of the time commitment. It just felt like a huge time commitment. So and and I didn't you know, some people are into it. But so tell me a little bit. I'm a little confused. So from my understanding, they they um, do the show. They record the show in 2020. They start airing the show in beginning of 2021. I thought that when Chris Harrison went and had this interview with Rachel Lindsay, that the show was actually airing, but everything had already been recorded, but it was airing. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so it was still airing. It was after airing, though people knew everything that was going on. So people are watching what's happening on the show. And then the after the rose is when the first time the two of them have seen each other since everything's come out at least, right? at least see each other in between right well they can they have to be secretive about uh, it okay but i think in that i think as soon as the show started airing and this started coming out i think he broke things off with her okay because it, it seems pretty clear when they showed up at the after the final rose thing they were not mm-hmm. together he was very very upset um so I don't know when in that time period they broke Okay, off. But you're right. So what happened was Rachel interviewed Chris. I want to say it was like February. It was yeah, early you were running 21. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but show, before, well, I think the show ended in March. So it must have been, yeah, it must have been January, February, 2021. And so she's asking him, you know, what do you think about, mm-hmm. because a lot of people were pressuring, it took Rachel Kirkconnell a long time to issue any kind of an apology Mm -hmm. and people were saying well she should apologize she should apologize and i think when the interview happened she still hadn't apologized or made a statement so so this the interview starts out rachel Lindsay says to chris well what do you think Mm -hmm. about the you know kind of like the fact that she hasn't apologized and that's when he just went yeah well and the thing is is that rachel Lindsay, there's two rachel so rachel Lindsay asked him what do you think about her not apologizing and then chris goes off into this whole other thing it's like she didn't ask you about what you think about the world and the pol- political movement of right. of what's happening in the world she's not asking you that she's asking you what do you think about the fact that she's been silent right and and how that silence also speaks volumes about things right that that when it comes to right a, not making a decision is a decision. So not speaking out is a decision that you're making. And Rachel Lindsay, I think I, I'm not inside of her head, but I think she was trying to understand from Chris's perspective, you know, how do how do you feel about the fact that she hasn't said anything? Right. And the, he took that opportunity to start defending Rachel Kirkland yes, very on what so. she had done. Yes. The underlying problem with going to the party and the, the racial insensitivity of all these photos and stuff. And he, boy, he really, really went off yeah. on a ta- on his own tangent. And he talked about, so so he, he was saying that um, people should give Rachel Kirkconnell grace and space and yes. time. And she's just a young girl. Yeah, just back off. She's she's a young girl who intentionally went on a very public reality show. Mm -hmm. So mind you, but she's very young, and she didn't know any better. Oh, better. And his big thing is, it was 
2018. Yes. Back then, <laughs> somehow we had different standards about racist sorority parties. And but and that at, was the crazy. Yeah, he he said, "Oh God, what he is?" Was, he was all over the place. He said, "Oh, I don't know." Five years ago, it's like, no, it was three years ago, Chris. Number one, and, yeah. And that this idea of like, hey, you know, it's is it a good look for twenty? Is it not a good look for twenty twenty one and a good look for twenty eighteen? I don't know, Rachel. What do you think? Well, let me keep talking, Rachel. Yeah. What do you think, Rachel? I don't know. I'm going to keep talking. Well, what he said was, <laughs> it, it wasn't a. It was. He said he's asking Rachel. He says. Is it not a good look in 2018 or not a good look in 2020? Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, there's different standards. And she said, um, it's not a good look ever. Yeah. And he just mowed right over that. Oh, kept he mowed over that. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he kept he, just some of the things that he was saying. I was like, did you spend any time thinking about this? And I think that this is honestly, I think if Chris Harrison got really honest, I think Chris Harrison went on extra thinking. I'm going to smooth this out. Right. I mean, let me, let me solve. Let me mansplain this to all of you about what you should be thinking and feeling. Okay. Give her grace and space. You basically saying, give her grace and space. You all are idiots. You woke police who want, want her to answer. You know, I'm the face of the bachelor. So you just calm yourselves down people. And let me just tell you that this party isn't, you know, basically what he was saying is this party isn't that bad. And she's a young girl. And then just going into the weeds of what people are saying on social media and and commenting over and over again. And so much of his anger and frustration was about the woke police and people. He said woke, woke police like oh, yeah. 20 times. This is a good drinking day- game. Yeah. Every time he says woke, take a shot. You'll be you'll be drunk by the end of that 14 minute thing. It was insane. Yeah. And he said he said, my guess is these girls got dressed up and went to a party and had a great time. They were 18 year olds. They were 18 years old. Now, does that make it okay? I don't know, Rachel. You tell me. He was just speaking so condescending to her. A black woman, the very person who these parties were were targeting. I mean, it was just... Well, and also she, she, before he even said that, she very clearly said when she said, it's not a good look ever. Uh, Yeah. And she pointed out to him, if I was to go to that party, who would I be? She very clearly. Yeah, what would st- my role? Be? What would my role be? Very clearly stated that, and he just blew it blew off. right on by because that wasn't part of his agenda of what he wanted. You know what I mean? It was almost like you're, he wasn't listening to her, and she was trying to. Yeah, she was taking on the emotional labor of trying to explain mm-hmm. that the. the, the what the problem is with this racist uh, party mm-hmm. and he would not let her speak he uh, interrupted her he cut her off he spoke over her wouldn't let her talk and she finally at a certain point just kind of sat back and let him just go off and dig his yeah. own grave and that yeah. he did well and then he said several times this is my favorite part he's like well you know I'm not defending it it's like you are defending yeah. it he said I'm not defending the party i don't think the party's good but you know what should we do and then he made this other comment that i thought was bizarre about san francisco i mean is it good that people in san francisco are racing lincoln and washington we're here in the bay area are we racing i am not seeing any statues of lincoln being taken down yeah yeah and of course he has to say san francisco because the whole world thinks san francisco is just a crazy place yeah like we're a bunch of nuts out here and i'm sure people who are listening to this think that we're the woke police ourselves and that we're nutty. I don't, yeah. 
I don't know what to tell you, but that's not what's happening out here. And you want to know the irony is he had to come out to San Francisco to record that first podcast because that's where the iHeart me- <laughs> radio stuff. Was. Well, I hope you had a good time. Yeah. With us, with us, um, you know, woke people out here. Yeah. So Rachel Lindsay, she has a, a podcast uh, with um, Van Lathan. It's called Higher Ground. Mm-hmm. And so she addressed this on her podcast when it happened. And um I'm just going to read you some of the, some of what she said. She said, people of color are not given the benefit of the doubt. Uh, she can't react or show any kind of emotion to what he was saying because she will be uh, labeled as the angry black woman. Um, and she said that the way he acted, it was like he just, he got up that day and said, I'm just going to be myself today. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she said there was no PR people there. There was no one else on the, sometimes they'll have people from the network or whatever there on the interview or whatever there's nobody there it was just the two of them Mm -hmm. and so yeah he took that opportunity to just say how he felt um and she said he wanted everyone to give rebecca kirkconnell not rebecca rachel kirkconnell her space compassion and grace but he couldn't give it to her Mm -hmm. um or the people who were offended by Mm -hmm. what she had said and um what else did she say oh she said that when he kept saying well who are you to judge yeah. who are we to judge and um that really well it seemed and 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 he spent a lot of time because i think a, some of this goes back to his own podcast and i honestly god i you you i listened to both the first his first episode and second episode i took one for the team and listened to it but i can't do it oh you did okay because yeah. i thought you sort of you were like I well I, I at first i did have to turn it off because mm-hmm. it was it was so awful but then in the interest of research and you know the podcast <laughs> and the podcast i went back and i listened to it yeah terrible but he's so fixated on um you know the people on social media he he got so into this whole thing about the people on social media people on social media as if why rachel Lindsay is trying to bring this conversation to him was how do i say this it's like that she was bringing up this conversation and that this conversation was happening because a bunch of people on social media got angry and social media is so divided and it's on the left and on the yeah. right blaming social media for the yeah. things he said and and it's like no rachel Lindsay is bringing this up to you because this is an important topic to have does it hurt a lot of people yes and that that this needed to be talked about and if you're coming on this tv show as the face of this franchise that's been very problematic for many years for various reasons you know, what do you think about it? And I think he just got so enwrapped by the fact, it's almost kind of like he, f- it's that his, that racism is here now because people on social media want, want people to apologize. Does that make sense? It's almost as if he, he didn't, he just, he doesn't. Yeah. Get like it. what, if it weren't for social media, yes, we exactly be talking about this. Yeah. We would just be blowing it off. Like we have yes. for, for hundreds of years. Like, yeah, exactly. He wants to go back to the good old days when he could just say whatever say he, wanted. he wanted, speak with impunity, have his privilege. And that was the thing, you know, his, his apology for, I oh, the apology is well, the worst, but the but, apology, well, 
the, whatever he, and it wasn't an apology. What he was saying on his podcast, I mean, he did do previous apologies. We could talk about that. Yeah. But on the podcast, he was acting like he was so wrong. Yes. He's like, well, he's so serious and self-important mm -hmm. talking about how, you know, it's been two years and I'm just so happy to be able to be here and talk to you. And he's talking about how hard it was. For oh, my favorite was, he said, you know, when I see people and, you know, Lauren and I are out, we're traveling the world and we see people at airports. It's like, oh, F you. <laughs> You're traveling the world? Like, like, I, I love it when these celebrities are like, I have to retreat to my million dollar estate. It's just like, OK, Chris Harrison, you have money. You got you were fine. You were not destitute or broke. Right. He, he, well, he got a $10 million. Yeah. Yes, you know, they yes. had to, when they fired him, they had to, he had a contract. They had to pay him off. And I think, I, I think he got at least $10 million. Anyway, yeah, but he was acting like people all over the world just loved him or coming up to him in the airport and saying, mm -hmm. oh, I miss you, man. I miss yeah. your voice. He actually said that. Yeah. He, people were saying they missed his voice. Mm. They missed seeing him. I mean, he, he was the most self-important person it would that's what was hard to take about yeah. it it's like dude you still don't get it no you still don't get it and even though he was trying to be you know he's he said he did make a mistake he handled it poorly this or that i just think he he he's he's upset he got caught yeah he's upset that he did that and that happened that happened to his career no, i think you know who i think he's upset about he's upset about the woke police he's upset about yeah. the fact that he went on um, a national TV show. He said a lot of stuff that was very, very problematic, but he doesn't think it's problematic. And because now in 2021, 2022, that there are people now who are constantly watching everything and he doesn't like that. Oh, he doesn't. And so therefore he was forced to go away for a while and think, you know, and he's just so grateful to be back because he's so missed. I just feel like when he, in that interview, just to go back to that for one second, when he was in that interview, all I could think, this is what I wrote down, it was like when he was talking about the people on social media and the public and all that is like, how are you different in this moment in time than any of the people on social media, right? You are you you are sharing your opinion with us. You are right. sharing what you think about the particular thing. So how are you how are you, right. Harrison? Right. Who are you, Harrison, to say that you know what the truth is? And I think that's the other part of it that I felt, and that's what I was trying to say earlier, which is just how offensive it was that he felt like he had he was speaking for every single person right. in the world. And you've got someone who's trying to have a conversation with you in front of you who wants to share their opinion and you're not listening to it. So how are you different than anybody else, Chris Harrison? And I just feel like, you know, I, I, I wanted to see that in the interview. I, when he came back around, I wanted to hear him say, because he didn't say in the podcast the name Rachel. He doesn't say anything. He talks around it. Right. He never talks about it. He talks around it. And there was a lot of, I'm sorry, but mm -hmm. I'm sorry, sorry this. But, yeah. I'm sorry, though. And accountability is about, I am sorry. And period. Yeah. And that's what being an adult is. Being an adult is being able to say, I messed up. I'm sorry. And you, yeah, you might have your excuse or reason why you right. did it in the back of your mind, but you, you don't share it because 
you don't yeah. you don't get you don't get to do these things and that's the part about the world and what's been happening is is that for so long it was like you know we just allowed people to say and do things that were like oh i'm sorry i'm just joking yeah you just know, joking you know i'm you know i'm a good friend or you know i this and and it's not just racism it's sexism racism, anything it's ableism it's it's uh, homophobia homophobia it's like oh you know you know i'm gonna make fun of you but you know you know uh i'm your best friend and i'm gonna just do that and that's the part that is really what's happening is it's like no it's it not hurts people's feelings yeah, it's not it's, funny it's not funny and it hurts people and we live in a world now where everyone has a voice and and What's happening is, is that for the first time in a long, long time, it feels like to me, people are just saying, we're not going to keep brushing by. Mm -hmm. And I think the other part of it, too, is I think that what if Chris Harrison, if his podcast, it just didn't feel authentic. No. And one of the things that I always talk about because I work with young people is, you know, Gen Zers and, and the young people today, they want authenticity. Mm -hmm. So. I think, so do I. Yeah. So so everyone does. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. But they're the ones that are really this driving force. They want authenticity at work. They want authenticity in the people that they follow. Mm -hmm. And what people really wanted, I think, what people really needed to hear was Chris Harrison just having a very sincere, like, I just screwed up. Because he was just made, and I, I really did not think one iota about what I said. And I realized now. He never admitted that what he did was racist. He never admitted that he probably needs to take a look at how um, he thinks about these things. Because just like Rachel Kirkconnell or anyone else who does this stuff, they don't understand that they're hurting people. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. They have to be educated to understand, like what you were just saying. It's like you can't just do these things and think, oh, it's a joke. It's no, no not a big deal or whatever. He never, he never acknowledged any flaw in himself mm. you know what I that's mean? what it is yeah yeah he ne he he says he made a mistake mm -hmm. okay well what was your mistake exactly mm -hmm. maybe your mistake was that you you really don't understand how these things affect people of color mm -hmm. and that's what you need to learn about and and yeah he he oh it was so it was so 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 fake and insincere and 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 then you know the, so immediately after the interview was aired they put it on youtube in its entirety mm -hmm. the rachel Lindsay interview um he went on this oh god he, he did this, this was bad he did a horrible you know quote-unquote apology he went on good morning america and michael strahan um interviewed him and you know he he Obviously, someone wrote that he memorized something. Oh, God, yeah. Someone got a hold of him and coached well, him. And he even said that he um, he said he's been working with a race educator and a strategist mm -hmm. and also faith leaders and scholars. Mm -hmm. OK, this is literally like a week after. Oh, you've done all this work in a week? <laughs> OK, so he goes on the interview and he talks about how. You know, um, how he's he's so saddened and shocked at how insensitive he was. I stand against racism. And then he even said, I'm sorry to Rachel Lindsay and to the black community. It was such a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Oh, and then he said, um, I plan to be back and want to be back. <laughs> and then afterwards, <laughs> there was a, I saw another, an interview with Michael Strahan afterwards. Strahan did not. He was yeah, just like, he did no. not buy any of that. He was like, huh? 
He he basically said as nice as he possibly could that that yeah. was just a bunch of insincere bullshit. And it was. Even when you see him, I wish this podcast was visual, because even if you saw him, the way he was in the original interview with uh, Rachel Lindsay, you know, he's there and he's in his chair and he's like talking about stuff. And then you see him here. He's like, mm, very yeah, serious. Like very he, had, serious. he had serious atonement face on. And I think that's I think that the apology was part of the problem, too. Because Chris, I think, I'm not inside Chris Harrison's head, but it's almost this feeling of, oh, God, okay, now I'm going to have to apologize. So my job and, oh, God, these people are too sensitive. So let me let me get on there and let me let me now do I'm going to do this very serious face because this is what I need to do. And I think what what was so hard about it was that exactly what you said, which is. If I say to people that these things are unacceptable, woke police, antebellum parties, all forms of racism, if I deny, 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 and I put on a serious face and I tell people that I'm working with faith leaders, that will be enough for me to get my job back and get people to stop focusing on me. And that's the inauthenticity that is so annoying about this entire experience with him um, is the fact that. I would have respected him a lot more if he got on and said, listen, I my white privilege got the best. At well, I had a lot to learn. I have a lot to learn. I didn't know. One of the things that Van Latham, uh, Rachel Lindsay's co-host, said that I was really um, that I want to point out is, is he said, you know, one of the things about seeing Chris Harrison is, is that he's not David Dukes. He's right. not. Or is it Duke? He's David not, Duke. Yeah. He's not on this TV show with a white hood on his right. face. And I think that's the one part is, is that there's overt racism and there's covert racism. Implicit bias. Yes. And so I think that a lot of times people, that's when people come in and say, oh, you're being too sensitive or you're being too this or you're being too that is, is in that, in those moments, a lot of times where it's, you know, because he's not wearing a white hood over his head, well, he can't possibly be racist or he can't possibly be the you know this i'm not in any way shape or form saying that chris harrison is a just is this racist person i'm not saying that what i'm saying is is that he has a lot of biases that he's never looked at because of well he's his white he's a white rich yeah. man yes. in america and that's the thing just by virtue here's the problem just by virtue of being born in this country mm-hmm. and raised in this country this is a this is a country you know, built on racism, founded in racism, you know, everybody has, you know, is born into this culture of bias. Yeah. And we have to, some people recognize that and choose to spend their life, you know, trying to dismantle it. Mm -hmm. Some people have no idea they have it. Some people Mm -hmm. don't care. I mean, there's all levels of awareness of, you know, people's awareness about this and yeah it, it's just such a, a an example of white privilege he doesn't even know what he's doing yeah that's that's what it doesn't is. even know i i don't i really don't yeah i don't think he was sitting there saying i'm gonna unleash all this racism mm-hmm. he had no idea what he was saying he had no idea that what he was saying was so wrong and that's the problem yeah so when in the podcast what's so frustrating about the podcast is is that Okay, so you, you've been gone for two years. So here's a podcast. We're all here wanting to listen to you. Why don't you tell us what you've been working on, what you've been doing? 
And essentially, based on the podcast, the sense I get is, is that he's been just kind of, you know, hanging out with his family and his kids. Waiting for this to blow over enough that he can, yeah, come out with his podcast. Come on back. And I don't believe in cancel culture. I don't think that's the way in which we move forward as a society. I don't think that's, we don't, it's not about like you said something wrong, you go and leave. There's certain people, Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein. I'd rather not see yeah, these people again. They're monsters. They're irredeemable, but but not everybody. I'm not. I'm not looking to cancel Chris Harrison or anyone I else. Chris Harrison. I will learn. Yes. I, will, I want him to dig into these mm-hmm. biases that he has. I want him to uh, spread the word to his, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, his other, uh, you know, folks who who. Uh, yeah, I, I do. I want him to change. I want everybody to change. Yes, yes. I don't want him to just go away and be bitter and never, never understand what happened or examine it. And that's what I hate when people use the word woke as if, you know, all of us liberals or whatever you want to call us, that we're on this other side saying, I know better. See, look at right. me. I'm woke and I'm this and I'm that. That's not what people are saying. What they're saying is, is that Let's acknowledge our privilege. Let's acknowledge what's happening. Let's keep working and fighting and doing better. Because every single day of my life, you know, I work very hard to do better than I did the day before, to be mindful of my own biases, to be thoughtful about what is going on. And I'm not saying by any means that I know everything and I'm the end point. And that's the other part of it. That's not what, what quote unquote, the woke police are trying to do we're not trying to jump on top of people every time you say something we're just trying to figure out what do we need to do to make sure that we're not offending or hurting the people that we know and love the definition of woke is that you are aware of and alert to racial discrimination and um, prejudice it's an awareness and Okay. And it's a practice. What's wrong with that? Yeah. And so Van Latham, he said, um, yeah, because he he brought up how Harrison kept saying the woke police, the woke police over and over. And he said, Chris hates woke people. (laughs) He hates a society where he can't just stomp his feet and have everyone be on his time. He said he preferred 2018. Mm -hmm. And then then he's like... What era does he think 2018 was? Yeah. Like it was a couple of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and that's the ridiculousness. Yeah. And then Rachel made the point that, you know, it's just really about accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all that this is about is is being accountable, holding people accountable. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, my favorite was we were woke in 1970. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, what? So this is a this is and this is something that people use as an excuse. I know, you know, it's very easy to use it, which is, oh, he's an old guy. He's been around since World War II. You know, what what can we expect from that person? And I think that that's the part of it that when I say practice, what I mean is if you think about meditation, if you think about yoga, there's no end point to it. Mm -hmm. There's no end point to this. There there isn't a. Oh, I took an implicit bias class. Right. Solved. Done. Done. I'm good. It's an every single day thing. And white people have not had to do this Mm-mm. ever, ever, ever. And I and, you know, just as men, when when all of the Me Too stuff was coming out, it was the same thing. Men, there are certain things that men have never had to think about that we have to think about constantly. And there are things 
that people of color have to think about every single day, every moment of every day that we have not had to think about. And so for the first, so for the first time in our, you know, huge history, people are saying, hey, Chris Harrison, and hey, other, you know, like, stop yeah. for a second and think through what you did, what you said. It hurt people. It hurt. And at the very least, you hurt Rachel, who you claim is a friend of oh, yours. Yeah. And you know, you, she, her you know what she said? She said that after, um, I guess he did apologize to her after mm -hmm. the interview came out. But, you know, but she said it was a very short conversation. Mm -hmm. And she said that immediately after that, he unfollowed her or blocked her oh really yeah from all oh, i didn't i didn't hear her yeah that. from all social media and she hasn't spoken to him since oh but they're friends yeah oh yeah because he kept saying in the interview you know rachel you and i are going to talk we get into this oh, stuff yeah, we, was, we have these conversations another, yeah me, rachel He's, he said well well we've talked about this before we've had these conversations and i was kind of like what conversations have you had and she said in her podcast she said yeah um I have had conversations with Chris about this stuff before, and it went exactly like what you saw on TV. But this this was a different. Um, this was a this wasn't on this wasn't on Higher Learning. I don't know if this was on the podcast. I think it was because there was a second episode that they did after the apology, mm -hmm. and I think this is where she said, "Yeah, she's had these dumb conversations with him before." She said, "But this time it was on it was, it yeah. was on television." Yeah. So the real Chris Harrison was on TV that day. And let's not forget the other thing is, is that after that interview happened and after, I don't know if it was after the interview or after he was fired, that people started attacking Rachel Lindsay. I know. So she now that she got death threats and she had to she had move herself completely. She, yeah. How scary. And so, so that's the flip side of it is even in the Chris Harrison apology podcast, he talked so much about how this affected him, how it affected him. He didn't once say, no. and Rachel's gotten tons and tons and tons of hate, and it shouldn't be for her either. I know. That I mean, she was just, she so, was just interviewing him. That's so shitty. Yeah. He, he basically cuts her off and then he goes on this, you know, his new podcast and doesn't even mention her fucking name. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he does mention her in the Michael Strahan. He's like, he, he speaks to the world and says, you need to stop harassing rachel Lindsay. Yeah. yeah well that was when he was still trying to keep his job yeah he hadn't been fired yet yes yeah because remember at first they said he was stepping away uh they uh took him off they were supposed to be starting another show like bachelor in paradise or something so they took him off of that mm -hmm. and then shortly thereafter because i think i think they were going to try to yeah. you know bring oh, him yeah. back but the public outcry was too much and they couldn't do it so they had to let him mm -hmm. go yeah. So he was just trying to keep his job at that point. Yeah. So uh, th there was something else, too, I wanted to say. Oh, so on a little bit of a lighter note, mm -hmm. can we talk about other parts of his podcast? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he he talks out of both sides of his mouth. He is talking about how um, talking about how important The Bachelor is and so much of this and and, and his identity and all of that. And he like wishes the bachelor well, but but at the same time, you know, the ratings have gone down. Oh, and he's you're not there. Yeah. And he's sorry to see that. So basically what he's saying is he he's happy the ratings have gone down. He's he's you know, he's not and he's not even willing to say, Yeah, there's a part of me that's really happy the ratings have gone down and I'm not there. And and that is an honest, authentic thing to say versus just the the cover up of 
I'm such a gentle, sensitive soul. And that's what he talked a lot about of like, I just, I come out of it from conscious and I fly. And, you know, I I normally, this is what he said in the Michael Strahan. He's like, he was shocked by how insensitive he was because he didn't speak from his heart in that moment in time. And he's still on that. He's still, that's where he was in the podcast. But so the best thing is, is that he's talking about who would replace him. He spent a lot of time talking about who would replace them. And one of the things that he said was that there were what they, the other people in Bachelor Nation smelled blood in the water and that pe- all these people were calling up vying for his job. You know, people were like, hey, what's up? Hi, I'm part of this. I'll take his job. And one of the people was Nick Vial. that he mentioned that. And have you seen Nick Vial's response to that? No. Because I will say it's a little annoying. All I, I was trying to do some research on um, on people's reactions to the Chris Harrison podcast. It was hard to find. And the one thing that everyone's talking about in the media based on Chris Harrison's podcast is not what we're talking about. What It's all about this Nick Vial thing. And have you ever, do you follow Nick Vial or that? No. It's called the Vial Files. I know he has a podcast. Yeah. I just want very I, I, quickly, I just want to say this was the most bizarre clip I've ever seen. So Nick Vial, who I'm sorry, he seems a little, you know, kind of he likes himself too, I should just say. His podcast is so weird. It's it's I guess they um they record it, they videotape it. I'm sorry, I sound like a hundred years old. <laughs> they take videotape. They videotape it. Um they uh, they do it, obviously, you know, for YouTube and they do it for the podcast. Mm-hmm. So he's got four other co-hosts. He's got two women who look like they're about 22 and they're both sitting next to each other with laptops like they're at Starbucks. And one and one is like typing, typing, typing. And she's like, oh, did you hear about Chris Harrison and the podcast? And he's saying this like as if she's like typing the report. It was the most bizarre thing. And then they flash over to him. And he's sitting there with, you know, so like his leg up on the thing, just very casual with two other women that don't even speak. And I'm like, why do you need all these people? On? I mean, that's I just creepy. The visual was bizarre. But Dick Vial, of course, was so offended that that's what Chris Harrison said. And then he basically said, we'll take some accountability, Chris Harrison. But that's been the biggest story of all of this. I kept trying to find people that were going to talk about the podcast and talk about how I don't think anybody cares. I don't think anyone cares, despite what Chris Harrison thinks. Nobody is out there thinking about you, Chris Harrison. And I, he called himself a journalist. Oh, yeah. Which <laughs> I, I so b- before I dismissed that, I decided I said, well, maybe he does have a journalism background. I went and I looked on Wikipedia. No, he's not a journalist. So what was he doing before, before this? He was the host of The Bachelor. He, I mean, he's he's a TV host. He's mm-hmm. hosted um some other shows he's hosted game shows he's a host mm. his entire career is hosting television shows yes but and and the thing about being a host is i, I listen i think a lot of people think it's simple and easy i do think there is some level of it's, take it, some level it, of talent it, to do it i will okay give you that i mean but i i will give you that but the self-importance of how he sees himself right. in the world i mean you and I both do work that's very significant, that change people's lives, that that helps people. I don't take myself, we don't take ourselves this no. seriously. Like I'm working with, I've worked with drug addicts and stuff, you know, I mean, I don't take myself this seriously at all about what I do. And the best was he was with Lauren. 
And they're like, well, you know, who also calls herself a journalist. Yeah, she's also a journalist. She's also a television host. Yes, basically. Who hosted a podcast called Ray, Ray, uh, Rose. Saying Rose and Rose. And lo- because he, I think of her connection to him. Podcast. Yeah, got some gig that way, too. And she was upset that she had to give that up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for this she, she, was, she was honest about it. Um, I have to say, I think this was the most honest thing she said was, I was mad at you. Yeah. I was mad at you. And I think that I, she kind of backtracked a little of like, I was mad at you because of, you know, this, but really was, you dumbass. Yeah, I lost my podcast. I lost my podcast and my and my connection is to you. And now I've got to sit in this multi-million dollar mansion with you in Austin, Texas. Well, yeah, and also, yeah, it didn't help her career. Yeah, she's a, yeah, she's a host at like one of the entertainment tonight. She's a yeah. she's, She's a host. And, and but the best is he said, you know, really my career, I'm so wrapped up into it. And, you know, when you work in the arts, I'm like the <laughs> arts. I laughed out loud in my car. I'm like the arts. <laughs> this is not the arts. You know who else? I mean, who are you comparing yourself to? I mean, just the self-importance is just it was just too much for me. So I'm very curious to hear what episode three and four yeah. are gonna be like i don't know i don't have high hopes for this podcast yeah i'd be very curious to see i think but he's got a big deal apparently with iheart is it iheart radio mm-hmm. um he's got a big deal with them and uh, you, you know yet again a real cushy gig he can record this podcast from his home and i feel like there's other things he's gonna be doing too i think it's a i think there's like I don't think it's just this podcast. I think there's other shows. I'm sure it's hosting something. I mean, yeah, I don't know. And that's the thing. I mean, yeah, the self-importance, I just can't handle because not only that, it's like, it'd be one thing if he on The Bachelor, he actually was a part of the show in terms of really talking to the contestants in any substantive, meaningful way. He doesn't. Yeah. He literally just says, okay, this is the final rose this evening. And, you know, <laughs> welcome to The Bachelor. And last time on The Bachelor, I mean, it's, it, literally, these are his lines. Yeah, he's the, um, what should I say? He's sort of the train conductor. He's the usher. He's kind yeah. of keeping things rolling. Keeping things moving. He's keeping things you going. Know, the cocktail party's over. You know, it's time for the rose ceremony. Okay. These are his lines. He yes. does not offer anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any good-looking guy can do it. Now they got Jesse Palmer doing yeah. it. I mean, it's like it's not rocket science. Yeah. Anyone can do it. Yeah. So, uh, if you're looking for someone, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm criticizing it the whole time, but I'm thinking, you know, hey, give me some roses. Let I'll do it. Great. I'll, where no. do I, where do I go? Who do I hand the rose to? Yeah. Doing? And you know, when the, when he got fired, it was uh, so uh, for a couple of seasons, Tasha and um, Caitlin hosted the bachelorette mm-hmm. together and they actually talked to the women mm-hmm. like they would go in and be like well what do you think about this and how are you feeling like it's like yeah chris harrison never did anything like that yeah. and they're probably getting paid a, f- a oh, fraction please. of what he was getting paid. oh please so i do want to talk a little bit about the franchise as a whole mm-hmm. because um it was i mean this is one of the things that was being criticized was that you were 20 seasons in and they do two seasons a year, roughly. But it's been it's been around since twenty. It, it was twenty two thousand and two was the first was the first Bachelor. Two thousand and three was the first Bachelor. Okay. So the show itself, the franchise itself, is like no, twenty years now, twenty years. So they were getting you know they there were no 
Um, there's very little representation. Um, yeah, no diversity. No diversity at all. And there's and it's beyond the no diversity. It, it went beyond people who right god forbid you wore a size six you know oh yeah it was you were all the women were very thin had long hair um yeah there was no uh all very young no no different bodies yeah everybody's young fit uh mostly white you know 90 percent white attractive traditionally attractive um and also you only get a certain kind of group of people because most people who have jobs can't take off three to four months right. to just go and do this thing. And the other thing is, it's such a sexist show. It's And I know people say, well, you know, you have The Bachelorette and she's doing the same thing. But there is such this feeling of what they do to just men and women of putting all these people together, isolating them. And the big prize is a man, mm-hmm. right? Your big, the winner. We keep talking, like people always talk about who's the winner of The Bachelor. The winner of The Bachelor is the person who marries, who gets the engagement from the man. So now we're sort of perpetuating this idea that for women, especially, because women already feel this, right? It's not enough to have a career. You have to have a career and a partner and children and look fabulous at the same time. So it's this idea of for women, what is a to be a winner means that you land a man. Yeah, no, look, uh, and this is the thing that's problematic to anyone who calls themselves a feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of feminists who watch the show. A lot of feminists watch Housewives. Yes. Uh, Roxanne Gay. Yes, I know. One of the, you know, pre And she says great things, but she's so interesting. Feminist yeah. in America is a huge uh, Housewives fan. But I mean, that. That's the thing. I think that the desire to uh, have like fantasy and romance in our life, um, just because you're a feminist doesn't mean you don't want that. Doesn't mean you're not curious about it. You're not attracted to it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of it's, there's some cognitive dissonance there with being a feminist and yet watching this show. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you can watch it with a grain of salt, and you know, like, yeah, you know, it's not good. But there's something about it. There really is. There is really something about it. And, you know, I started, I watched the very first um, season of it and I watched it for several years and then I didn't watch it for a very, very long time. Um, Many, many years until Rachel Lindsay's season. Mm -hmm. So when I heard that, you know, she was going to be The Bachelor, I was like, well, this will be interesting. I want to see this. And so since then, I have been, I think, all but maybe one season I think I've been watching. I didn't watch very much this last season. I don't know. You know, because after a while, it is, it's it's a big time commitment. It's like two hours a week and then... Well, and it's the same thing over and over it's, again. It's it's one of those things where you have to just fast forward. You can yeah. probably watch it in 20 minutes or something because yeah. it's like watching an award show. You just got to keep moving, moving, moving. Yeah. Um, but I looked up... Um, online like uh i think this was one of those articles there's a lot of articles out there where like psychologists you know yeah just i read some talk of those, about yeah. how bad it is and um basically like the the bad parts about it is that it pits women against mm-hmm. each other it normalizes power imbalances in relationships the contestants are isolated yes you know from their families and any outside opinion you know they don't even have a computer or a cell phone or anything so they can't get advice or like talk to anybody. It's a natural environment. 
and they're also under constant observation so it makes their behavior inauthentic Mm -hmm. and again the unrealistic standards of beauty and happiness and you know mike fleiss who's the producer he he said in a 2020 interview a while ago he said that the audience basically this is the formula is that the audience needs to like the guy and hate the girl. Mm. And, you know, that just reinforces that um, men have the power and women don't. And even on The Bachelorette, like The Bachelorette is a lot more, the way it's set up, she's, um, you know, kind of stripped of some of her power. And and, um, because like, it's presumed that the woman will move to where the man lives. The man is the one who proposes and like women are shamed for making out with a lot of contestants. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's or, the other the thing. guys. Yeah. And not even sleeping with, mm-hmm. you know, when they get to the fantasy suites and whatever, I think there's a double standard there. It very much. Yeah. So the guy can sleep with all the girls, but the girl's a big slut if right. she has sex with all the guys. Right. And also too, I thought, thought this was interesting is that. You know, a lot of the women who go on this show do have careers, like good careers. And there's a lot of women who are lawyers and. um, Yeah, that's why, like some of the women that go on, like Rachel Lindsay, I think is a good example. I mean, like she's not someone that I would think would be clamoring to be on the show, you know. Yeah. And you would think that that would make her even more of a catch and more Mm -hmm. attractive. But actually. Like a woman's career is actually seen as a liability because mm-hmm. she's less able to kind of cater to what yeah the man would want and, and like there's uh there was a contestant a bachelorette contestant this was this was during the time I didn't wasn't watching but I know the her name is Andy Dorfman she actually left her job as an assistant district attorney oh wow to go on the show and then there was another woman Allie. Badowski. Oh, yeah, I know that name. Yeah, she's sort of made a career out of this. She left her job at Facebook. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and like I know Rachel Lindsay, I don't think she's ever gone back to practicing law. You know, then that's what happens. They get maybe they're the women who do this are attracted to like getting into the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, everyone just wants to be an influencer. Yeah. Because if you go on the show, you're immediately just automatically, even if you're not a winner, mm-hmm. um, you're going to get, you know, a ton of Instagram followers. Yeah. Well, and that's a big problem with all of these shows. The Bachelor, 90 Day Fiance, you know, maybe maybe a little bit of Survivor, but not so much. I'm trying to think about some of these other big shows, Big Brother, that people are not going on it because they're not there for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going on it because they want to find love or they want to, you know, Big Brother's very cl- clear that it's just making money, but um, that it becomes very obvious that they're on there because they just want to be famous. They just want to be, that. this has become a bit of a formula for people where you're like, oh, I'm in LA, I'm very attractive mm-hmm. and I, you know, don't want to keep working at my job and I want to be an influencer. So here I go. This is a stepping stone for a lot of people. And so it it does sort of become a bit of a joke, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, that's the thing. It's not about finding love. It's about finding fame, finding, you know, opportunities for a new life. So, but it's all, we all have to pretend it's about love. And that's what's so weird about yeah. the show. And I mean, some people do find love and do get married. Um, obviously, it's not every season. But how do they treat, I'm trying to think about The Bachelorette, 
And how do they treat the men? Because the men are all competing for this one woman. But are they pitting the men against well, each other? Well, this is the interesting thing. In The Bachelor, the women are more like catty and standoffish. Like they might find one or two people to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, hang around with or whatever. But there's a lot of, you know, like we don't like this person. Yeah. And there's always like some girl who's really weird, nobody likes. But the men, it's kind of the opposite. Like the men, they get all, they grow out, mm-hmm. you know, and they all get really close. And it doesn't even feel like there's any... um jealousy or mm-hmm. anything whereas the women get very jealous so that do you think the producers are influencing that oh i'm sure or telling the women like oh so so yeah. doesn't like you blah 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 and then maybe they're they're simultaneously telling the men you should all get along you should all you know be friends yeah that's what i wonder i think it might have something to do with the fact that like um you know, ironically, you know, the the, sh- the premise of the show goes against women's uh, greatest fear is like someone cheating on them, mm-hmm. you know, because you're watching this guy <laughs> like cheating. But somehow the men don't seem to be bothered by that. Like mm-hmm. they know that the, that she's obviously, you know, with, you know, dating multiple people. They just don't seem as bothered by it as, mm. as the women are. So that's what I wonder. I'm wondering if that is authentic and real or if that is manufactured by the producers. Because this show, while it's a reality show, it is a manufactured show and they decide what they're going to show and not show. Mm-hmm. This is what I always wonder. I'm wondering if all the men are fighting and they just don't show that. They sh- and the, but when the women get along, are they you know not showing that? Yeah. That's just, just my thoughts well, about it. Yeah, and it's shocking to me that it's still on the air. I don't know how much longer it can remain on the air. It's kind of started to get, you know, a little more problematic yeah. now with, you know, they're, they tried to, you know, bring in some diversity and it didn't go so well. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's just one, that's just one attempt at, you know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. so many other types of diversity that they should really be, um, looking at i i don't know i think maybe it's too much for them because yeah you know because it goes against it goes against this fantasy right if you really think about it the bachelor is a fantasy and this is the biggest thing that you hear from the ex-contestants who where the relationships don't work what they say is is that the re you know we were traveling we were on a you know hot air balloon we were in this fantasy suite they don't want us to get into big things big topics that they don't approve of so by the time all the cameras are gone, it's just the two of you, the reality hits and you're like, we have nothing in common. They don't even really know each other. Yeah, they don't know each other. You don't have a lot in common when suddenly, you know, it, it feels less like, a, you know, there are some people that are uber competitive and just for them, that's all, you know, they just want to quote unquote win, you know, they just want to get to the mm-hmm. end. And uh, so the these topics that are coming up the issues that are happening, it's like reality is hitting this fantasy mm-hmm. and the show can't handle it. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what's the, I don't know what the future is. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever start start watching it or not. I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm not going to be watching it this season. You it's know, too much of a, it's just too, it's too much of a time commitment. <laughs> 
these shows that are so long, and that's the part that really bugs me is that, okay, ABC, I know you're trying to milk this for everything that you can because this gets good ratings and ad dollars and all of that, but God, you know, tighten up the show. The show could be one night a week, right? Isn't it three or three nights a week or something yeah, insane like it, that? It's only once a week, but it's two it was, hours. No, one several times a week. No, it's once a week. Oh. When, they, when they get towards the end, there might be a week where there's, they'll have like the last episode and then the finale in the same week or something mm-hmm. like that. But no, it's just once a week. It just feels like, it just it's like forever. Okay, maybe I'm wrong. But I'm wrong then. Yeah, it's it's just the same. Yeah, it's the same stuff. It's the same story mm-hmm. over and over again. The only thing that makes it interesting is the people. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they have had some lately. I feel like they've had some more interesting people on there. But um, yeah, interesting uh, leads. All right. Well. Okay. So um, <laughs> uh, yes, those are our thoughts. Those are our thoughts on The Bachelor. We'll see how much longer this lasts. And, oh, were you going to say something? Oh, no, I'm just, I'm very, very curious about what episode three of Chris Harrison's podcast is going to be. Oh. But I, I'm very, and I'm also very curious about what the downloads are. I'd be very, I'm just curious because, oh, that was the other thing. I went on his Instagram. I was like, because I could not get any reactions to this podcast. Like I could not, I think I found some reactions on Reddit. But I wanted to hear a wide berth of people. Like, what are people saying? And the social media stuff is the same. He has got so many fans. He's got so many people who are like, oh, Chris, I'm so glad you're back. I'm so this. So I'm just very. And then someone would then say, well, hold on a second, Chris. I don't feel like, you know, you didn't really address things. And then someone below them would be like, why can't you give Chris a break? <laughs> right. So, um I'm just, I'm very curious to see what happens. We'll what, have to revisit this. Yes, we'll have I visit to, this. We'll have to see if this relationship <laughs> podcast oh, yes. actually goes anywhere. I can't imagine taking relationship advice from him, but okay. <laughs> we'll see. All right. We'll check back. So what, anyway. What a conversation. Thanks yes. for joining us. Yeah, it was kind of a bit heavy. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's, we lean heavy, I think. So, yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's very quickly. I <laughs> after all telling me to wrap it up. I, I know. I was like, wrap it up. Hold on. Hold on. Sorry, Brooke. <laughs> I have a book out. It's called True You, a step-by-step guide to conquering your quarter-life crisis. It's available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles. And um, it's all about uh, being 20 something and how to, how to make your twenties great and wonderful. <laughs> I'm trying to find a really quick way of describing the book, but I have a book. Would love for you to check it out. That's it. Now you can wrap. Okay. Now we're wrapping up. Thank you so much. If you've made it through this podcast, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Please, um, if you like the podcast, subscribe and also uh, leave us a five-star rating and review. And um, Um, you can always email us. Yes, you can email us at um, psychlegalpoppodcast at gmail.com. Do you have any show ideas? thoughts love to hear about it so thank you so much and we'll see you next time thank you bye bye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com